All right, well, so are you all ready? Let's get going. Today we begin our series on Frankenstein. So it was on a dark and wintry Swiss Alpine night where a handful of what we might call degenerates, liberals, progressives, revolutionaries, were huddled around a fire in a cabin. It was too wet and too cold for them to go hiking, and so they entertained themselves with tales of the macabre, of demons and ghouls and vampires. And from those particular nights of campfire stories, around the fire by these romantics, that's technically what they were, poets, adulterers, fornicators, etc. Two stories were born. One about a vampire, kind of a, an offshoot of the Dracula theme. But another one was the book called Frankenstein by the 18-year-old girl that was there at the campfire named Mary Shelley. Frankenstein, you know, is the name of the... It's the name of the book. It's the name of the doctor. It's the name of the doctor, right? It's his last name. And Frankenstein was a, it was a modern Prometheus. That was the idea. Her, her uh, boyfriend, adulterous boyfriend at the time, I don't think she was married just yet. Um, he was a poet and he had written about Prometheus as well. Glowing poet poems, romanticized poems about the god Prometheus. But she wanted to write a Prometheus tale as well. Now, do y'all remember from those of you who were in the school back in the day? Do you remember from Omnibus One learning about Prometheus? Adeline, who is Prometheus? Um, he is in Greek culture. He's the, crea- the person who created. He created man. That's right. He's the and he gave man fire. That's right. And and that angered Zeus. That angered Zeus. Yeah, you got it. So so Zeus cursed him to lie naked atop Mount Caucasus and have his liver pecked out for eternity. Sounds pretty terrible. Now, but the point about Prometheus that you have to understand is that you have a a titan. He's a titan. He's a proto man, so to speak. He's a, a demigod. <clears throat> and he um, takes it upon himself to create man. And then he empowers man with fire. I mean, fire is really the essence of what we think of as technology, right? What makes engines run? Fire, right? What makes bombs? Fire. Fire is sort of the figurative and literal um, foundation for what we think of as technology. Prometheus gives man fire. And of course, fire comes with a blessing, right? But when it, when it rages out of control, when it is beyond man's capabilities, then it is no longer a blessing, it is a curse. It's a blessing inside the fireplace, not a blessing inside the living room. See what I mean? And so Prometheus gave man this gift, but it turned into a curse. 
And that's a great analogy for the world that Mary Shelley was living in. You see, the French Revolution, remember, it made some big promises, right? Utopian dreams. Down with the nobles. Property for all. Equalidad. Solidad. Right? Fraternidad. We'll all be one. We are the world. We are the ones to make a brighter day. So let's start giving and sharing and loving. Tolerance, man. Peace, man. A lot of problems. I mean, a lot of promises. But what was it that actually resulted? Guillotines for all. That's right. Poverty. Rat stew. Dysentery. Syphilis. Bloodshed. Grape shot. Death and famine. That's what actually happened. You see, the French Revolution came like fire from the gods. Promising, blessing but it went out of control beyond man's grasp. And instead of creating a heaven on earth, it created hell. That's really the story of Prometheus. That's the story of the 18th century, the century of revolutions. That's the story of the French Revolution. But that's also a little bit the story of the Industrial Revolution that was taking place at that time. Does anyone know what the Industrial Revolution is? Anyone? Yes, once again, Adeline, star pupil. Steam engines, that's right. Innovations were happening all throughout the Industrial Revolution. This was the time period that Mary Shelley was born into. Poets were writing like Wordsworth and Radcliffe, um, dreaming up uh, romantic poems about the Arctic, about the Sahara, about, the, about wild, unkempt nature. You know, in the Enlightenment, people were all about what? The mind. But in in the Romantic era, it shifted from the mind to the heart. Now you see the same thing with with the rationalistic period of the Enlightenment and the Romantic period that comes in the late 1700s and the 1800s. It's still man. You understand what I'm saying? Man's mind will create utopia on earth. But in the Romantic age, as things began, they started to say, no, we tried the mind thing. It's not working well. So we need to try the heart. Y'all saw where the crawdads sing? Have y'all seen that, that movie? It's a, it's a story of a marsh girl. And I always, when I see it, I think how romanticized this is. A romantic, by the way, doesn't mean um, like love story romantic. It means like where you imagine a utopian world, but reality is far from it. And that's why in the movie, they keep showing this beautiful marsh girl living this utopian, peaceful, um, back to nature, you know, uh, pre-industrial revolution life. And all I can think of the whole time, because we actually live in the marsh and the movie is filmed in Louisiana, the whole time I'm thinking mosquitoes. (laughs) That's all I can think. Mosquitoes, Uh, moccasins. Alligators, slugs, Congo eels, foot rot. Like, this is Nick. Yeah, yeah. let me see you be a marsh girl, okay? Um, They just, you know, if anyone, and and I have some friends whose boat broke down and they spent a night in the marsh, it's hell on earth, (laughs) all right? It's not a utopian. But you see, that's what the romantic age started to do. It started to romanticize things with literature. and War was even romanticized and... And this is all swimming in Mary Shelley's heart. There's so much like hope for the, for the world. Man, 
with his, with his artistry and his technology and his Promethean fire is going to build a, a beautiful society. But on the other hand, she's experienced the war and the devastation of the French Revolution. It failed. And then Napoleon was quickly defeated at Waterloo. So she's seen big promises and she's seen those big promises go from heaven to hell. See what I mean? The Industrial Revolution, which we were talking about a second ago, the inventions were coming out time after time. The battery, the automobile, right? The first automobile was in the early 1800s. The telegraph, the first computer was in 1822. Rubber balloons, canned food, steam engines, painkillers. Now you could have surgery and you didn't have to just bite down on a leather bit and drink some whiskey. They could put you to sleep and uh, while they sawed your leg off. Right. That's good. That's good. Nobody wants to be awake for that. So, you know, would man with all of these innovations with this Promethean fire, would he be able to create you know, an angel or a demon? You know, a, a utopia or a hell on earth? Would what man created in his, of course, you know, this is all in defiance to God. Did anyone, men, did, was there any God mentioned in the story of Frankenstein? Not. No, there's no spiritual no, realm. It's referenced, yeah. but only as a poetic, figurative reference. There's no God in Mary Shelley's world. She was a pantheist. She didn't believe in a spiritual realm. She believed all is one. But she was not so like hopeful and positive thinking. She was a little more on the darker side of the force, so to speak. You know? <laughs> so <clears throat> she was not so sure about all these promises. You know? Had man in his rebellion to God tapped into perhaps the dark arts? Were, I, were our efforts cursed? Would we create something sinister? <clears throat> Would we even create perhaps something stronger than ourselves? Like an atom bomb. The Promethean fire, that's what they called it. Or an AI robot that eventually turns on its master and turns on humanity and goes full bore Terminator. Right? Have you all seen that yet? Yeah, the Terminator is just a, a retelling of Frankenstein and a retelling of Prometheus, that man, through his reason and his science and his technology, can create something, but what he ends up creating is something that destroys him. But it's important, uh, you know, man is so proud and man always thinks that they can stay on top of things. You know, look at this, we created uh, um, a computer, but then man is a little scared that the computer is going to be greater than him and evil. Isn't that funny? When you leave God out of the equation? So anyway, you can see from her novel that she believed that when man would use his technology and his science, that it wouldn't be all roses. That the darker side of the force would emerge. That, you know, the yin-yang, that, that struggle between good and evil, though she might not even use the words good and evil, would eventually create a Frankenstein monster. You know, uh, a little bit of sidetrack, but when the Promethean fire fell on Japan, what emerged? The Japanese Frankenstein, Godzilla, through man's, through man's prowess and pride and 
revolution against nature, all we create is Godzilla. Right? Do what? Yeah, that's the, that's the theme of the movies, the Godzilla uh, myths, is that it, he emerges. All of them, they come out of a uh, nuclear disaster, right? It's, this is all Frankenstein. It's all Promethean fire. Um, I, Robot, where the robots turn on man. Terminator. This is all the same theme. Uh, ever since we rebelled against God, we've been struggling with this uh, concern, all right? Um, yes, Benjamin. It's like the um, magic they tried to make to compete with Robocop. Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen that one in a long time. Well, <clears throat> uh, the novel itself, let's talk about the novel itself. It had a huge impact, obviously. Super popular. You've all heard about it. Even Scooby-Doo covered it. Um, it was what we would call the first sci-fi novel. Any of y'all ever read a sci-fi novel? Have you ever read Out of the Silent Planet by C.S. Lewis? My kids should have read all three of those. I think y'all have. Paralandra? No. Oh, my. That is a failure. Beatings will resume. Until morale improves. Um, you're reading it next year, though. Yeah, it's definitely on the list for, uh, for high school. But you've read sci-fi novels before. You've read some Star Trek. Jude, you've read some Star Trek. Y'all read some Star Wars. You've at least seen it. Yeah, there you go. No, Jade has not even seen Star Wars. Wow. All right. Um, um, you see, this was the first sci-fi novel. And, uh, you know, I kind of like sci-fi. The, the, the thing I don't like about sci-fi is that the, most of the authors are all atheists. You know, I, I, fantasy, you at least have one or two Christian authors in there. Although most of those are like Mormons. So. But this novel asks the, the questions that sci-fi novels asks. You know, will our technology destroy us? Right. Will we be more human at the end of this or less human? Biomechanical automatons. Like in Live, Die, Repeat, where Tom Cruise straps on this Iron Man suit that integrates with his you know, cerebral vortex and fights the aliens that we discovered on the other side of the moon when we were playing God. So that's the, that's the idea of sci-fi is we're, we're going to travel where no man has traveled before. Wait, there's the Borg. Now we're destroyed. So that's kind of the idea, like it, that we play God and we get cursed atop Mount Caucasus with a vulture picking our liver out, right? And would the West be doomed by all of these revolutions? And I would agree that the revolution of man is evil, right? It doesn't work God's righteousness. And it does bring about hell on earth. By God's grace, all of Western society hasn't turned into one big guillotine. But um, it sure is threatening to do so these days. Right? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> let's see, what else uh, is there? Uh, here's a question for you that I wanted to talk about. What's, what was the real monster that you read about? How was he like or not like the ones you've seen in the movies? Adeline. He's not dumb. He's not dumb. <laughs> right? Y'all have seen Frankenstein in the movies. The Munsters, isn't there a, a character loosely based on Frankenstein yes, and the, the Munsters? Dad. Yeah, the dad. and uh, It's a funny show, by the way. And... Um, You've seen Frankenstein, uh, his arms out, uh, bolts, electric 
bolts in his head, broad shoulders, big, dumb, stupid. His skin's like stitched together. Um, Lucas? Yeah, the the real Frankenstein is he's almost like a romantic poet. (laughs) He's incredibly intelligent. He reads and quotes Milton, which is not easy reading. I was like, am I reading the doctor, Frankenstein? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, am I reading the doctor or am I reading the monster? But the thing I thought was the funniest is that he's super athletic. Right? Like he like didn't he like chase down some yeah. wild animal at some point? Yeah. He could like jump from cliff to cliff. Jump from cliff to cliff, and apparently he can handle incredibly cold temperatures um, running around the Arctic. Yeah, he, right. he, he likes fire? Yeah. yeah. I mean uh, un- unlike the movies. Because he's so dumb, the fire like ooh, ooh, scares him. Like he, like if he's a, like a, a dog or something. Um, one of his quotes from Milton, and tell me what you think about this. He says to his doctor, and it's real sort of poetic and a little bit tragic. He says, "I should be your Adam, but I am your fallen angel." It's like I can imagine how he would say it. That's something, right? He says, I should be your Adam, but I am your fallen angel. You know, I have that picture in my mind because I listened to it on audio, and the guy reading it had like a thick British accent, and he, and he read the monster like should that. Should Well, maybe it was a French accent. I don't know. But what do you all think? What does he mean? I should be your Adam, but I am your fallen angel. Like Quoting you, Milton. Like you, created, you, created me. you created me evil. I'm a demon. Didn't you find, like, yeah. the Bible? Or was that Milton? Uh, He's quoting Milton, which Milton was a Christian. He said, Did I request thee, maker from my clay, to mold me man? Did I shout up at you from the clay to make me? Did I call you from the darkness to form me? He's like, I didn't ask for this, right? I, I wish I had never been born. You made me a devil. Right? He's, he's sort of like, uh, he's, he's upset about his sins. Of course, he has no hope for his sins because there's no gospel in this world of Mary Shelley's. But wow, you know, it's, it's something else, you know. And that's, of course, what he's doing to justify his murders. That's right, his murders. Seemingly like impulsive, indiscriminate murdering. Now, you remember how he murdered the little child just kind of for nothing? That was a lot like today. It was like a boy. It was, it was the guy who made him so child. Yeah, it was a little, yeah. No, that was on purpose. Yeah, well, but it just happened. It wasn't on accident. Yeah, but, <sighs> but now, it's, uh, it's, it's not, um, of course, the rebellions and the murders, they're not against the true God, right, in this in this story, she never writes it like he's sinning against God. It's just, he's just evil. You know, he's, he's Darth Vader. He's from the dark side of the forest. There's no real like reason for it, right? You know, the good and the bad are with, within nature and within all of us. And so you see that. But of course, real quick, we're almost done here. But uh, what about um, Christians? We know where monsters come from, don't we? Where do they come from? Where does the beast and the dragon, Leviathan, where do monsters come from? Did someone say the sea? Literally, yes. Um, Leviathan literally was in the sea, but that's an analogy uh, of the devil. And uh, where does all that come from? Oh, sin. That's right. Sin.
And what is the solution? You know, did, did God create us? Or I should say, did God create us as monsters? What does the Bible say? No, no all that he created was good, but we rebelled against him. You see that? We, God didn't, we can't look at God and say, you made me this way. I was born this way. No, we rebelled against him. We are responsible. But he is gracious and he offers to create us again. Which is another way of saying offers to regenerate us or cause us to be born again. Or, or raise us up from above so we can in, experience the new creation. And in the new creation, um, he guarantees we will not rebel against him. He will uh, preserve us, and uh, he will overcome our sinful monster natures. He will defeat the monster of Frankenstein inside of each of us, so that what we do build with our hands and put our minds to and our hearts to will not be hell, but will be a heaven on earth. In fact, we're working right now with him to bring heaven down to earth. And uh, the real utopia that's emerging, the kingdom of God. So that's that. That's Frankenstein. Do you all like the book? Yeah. Relatively speaking, I thought it was pretty good. I, I didn't like it because it ended bad. Yeah, it's a tragedy like for sure, bad. but you know, it's her world doesn't ever end good. So we're on to uh, Killer Angels next, though.